Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian... How are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. Joining me today is Beth Mantle and Mickey Turner. How's it going, y'all? It's going well. Yeah, so the Sounders are coming off what I think goes down as one of the, like, I don't know if best performance is the right way to put it, but certainly the most surprising result that they've been able to pull off. Uh, you know, like, I would have to kind of rack my, I was, I was racking my brain trying to figure out what else would even be in the contention. And, you know, they had a win, I don't know, what was it, 2017 maybe, where they beat, uh, where they beat Toronto on the road, where they had uh, Wolf Ikram with the game where he had that assist to Will Bruin and then Hadwal Blana's goal. What year was that? 2018, maybe? No. 2018. And then they had another one where Jordan had a goal against Toronto, another kind of random Toronto game where they had Jordan scored, I think, the only goal in the game. And, and then, like, other than that, like, I mean, they haven't been a huge underdog a ton and i don't know if they were huge underdogs in this one but anyway i guess they beat austin 1-0 in this one when the lineups came out beth and i went on twitter spaces and we were literally laughing about how young the lineup was they had five teenagers they probably two of them who i suspect one isn't even eligible for his driver's license the other one probably doesn't have it yet because he's been too busy becoming a pro soccer player uh and then even outside of the teenagers you know Samuel Adenarin had never started an MLS game. AB Sissoko had only played a handful of MLS games. Spencer Ritchie was getting his first start for the Sounders. Hadn't played, you know, he, he hadn't started probably in a year. Uh, you know, you just go down the list. They had three players who I think you can call first teamers, like first, like first team starters, Jao Paulo, Brad Smith, and Jamar Gomez Andrade. And other than that, it was just kind of a grab bag of, of players with very little experience. I think everyone else had fewer than 10 start, 10, certainly 10 Sounders games, but probably fewer than 10. Like, Richie may have had more than 10 starts, but everyone else. A few of them probably had less than 10 minutes. Right. They did for sure. A bunch of them had fewer than 10 minutes. Reed Baker Whiting had fewer than 10 minutes. And he looked so good. What was that? Yeah. Like, let's. That's actually let's let's just jump right into that. Rather than putting into this in context, let's just just jump right into that. If there was one player who I think exceeded expectations the most, at least for me, it was Reed Baker Whiting. This is a 16-year-old kid. He's something like the sixth youngest player in MLS history to start a game. Uh, he had only played very briefly. He, he had gotten a cameo appearance in the Galaxy game, I think. Like. 
in his or was it the San Jose game? It, it was very early in the season. No, he was one of it was a home game because they remember they put up his when he came in, they put up his picture, and it was a picture from when he was like 12 yeah. years old. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh and so he had he had just kind of played almost not at all. He'd he'd been playing a little bit with the Defiance, he'd gotten a couple starts with the Defiance. And honestly, the first few times I saw him with the Defiance, I just was openly wondering, like, what is it that the Sounders see in this kid? Because he was tentative. He was having a hard time. I, I will say the last game he played with them, I thought it looked better. It was a very similar role that he played in this game. But still, this was a revelatory performance, I thought. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't I was even sure what his, what his best position was or what position um, he you know, they really had him earmarked for you and everyone and, else. Yeah. And he comes in and plays kind of a, a, a 10 ish or yeah, kind of like, like that and was just really good. I just noticed a, a number of times him getting the ball in space, turning mm-hmm. and then, you know, going on the attack or, or finding a pass. Uh, he did that multiple times in, in this game. And I was just like, you know, he's doing a, you know, a young poor man's Nico um, impression. He's not as dynamic, obviously, on the ball uh, and, you know, dribbling dribbling around defenders and what have you. But his work rate was was up there. And, you know, his his vision was pretty good. So, yeah, you, now you kind of know what his skill set is. And Schmetzer said after the game that that's kind of what they envision him as. And so, yeah, I, it was just incredible uh, on the list of incredible performances or shocking or surprising, whatever word you want to use to describe it. He's, he's got to be at the top of the list, uh, you know, aside from the Sounders coming away with that victory uh, generally. And he almost scored a goal. Yeah. Like he was, was really was just well, out there. Yeah. It was, it was a well-taken play too. He like, he picked up a, a little bit of a loose ball in the box. He, it wasn't an easy control and he, he put a he, he made a good effort on it was you know he kind of tried to go five hole on on Brad Stuver Stuver made you know gets down well and makes the save but he did, it wasn't an easy play by any stretch of the imagination and then the, there was two other plays that stood stood out to me one of them was the ball that he put into Sam Adenarin I think near the end of the first half where it was just a very aggressive you know ball into space which allowed Adenarin to use his body and and kind of create some danger ended up shooting wide but then the other one that i really liked is they put in a cross and it he just used it he's he got a big frame you know he's not he doesn't have a lot of weight on it but he he's got a big frame and and even though he's clearly still growing into himself i think he uses his body really well and he was trying to sort of shield i think it was matt beasler and he looked like he was he was putting himself in a great position to get a header it didn't come off but i just like the aggressiveness of him crashing the box for a cross like that and, and putting himself in, in dangerous positions. And I thought he found himself in a lot of the right places. And that's the stuff you want to see from a young player like that, because you can, you can get better at the technical stuff. You can get stronger. You can, you know, become more, you know, more refined, but it's the intuitiveness of getting into the right spaces. That's harder to teach. And I think that's what he did really well. Yeah, and I, and I it'll be interesting to see what they now want to do with him. Uh, not to get too far away from this game, but you know he's probably going to head back to Defiance for a handful of starts uh, here coming up. Uh, you know, yeah, you know injuries, uh, uh, you know, obviously accepted, but you know they've got someone now who they can you know use to fill in 
um, kind of in that position as an attacking uh, midfielder. And yeah, it's, it's exciting to see that the, what they have been developing is starting to now really pay off. Now their hand was obviously forced quite, quite a bit um, as far as getting these teenagers in, but this is a, a great sign and, you know, some vindication obviously for Garth, uh, and obviously for Schmetzer as well, uh, for just kind of going for it and just, you know, saying, Hey kids, uh, go out there, uh, have some fun and, uh, you know, try not to screw up too badly. And they did more than not screw up. You know, it was an interesting, it was interesting because earlier in the week, Brian had gone, I thought to kind of, he was pretty blunt in saying like, well, no, we're going to put out our best lineup for, Austin because that falls on normal rest for a lot of like that like Thursdays are push day and so it makes sense for us to use our our first team guys essentially and I don't know if he was swayed by what or if that was completely a smokescreen but he did the exact opposite of that and you know like we said he he used all these reserves and it wasn't just reserves I mean he he used two guys that were on on short-term contracts, Sam Adenarin and Obed Vargas. Obed Vargas, another, uh, he's now the third youngest player to ever play an MLS game. Short-term Congress, uh, contract, kid from Alaska. The organization likes him a lot. He had a couple moments. I thought he was, you know, but he looked, to me, he looked, I wouldn't say he looked overwhelmed, but there was nothing in that game that jumped out and said, this is a star in the making. That's not to see, like, he can still do that, but you know, like he, he was fine. Uh, I don't, but I was also really, I really liked Sam and Denneran. I just loved his energy. I loved the way he uses his body. I love his speed. He is a fun, fun player. He was aggressive, you know, maybe too aggressive at times, but he's, you know, the Sounders have now played him twice, which means that he's out of emergency call-ups. And so if they want to use him again, they're going to have to sign him to a full contract. I don't know. Do we, I, I would be okay with the Sounders bringing him on, even if he doesn't get a whole lot of playing time, but I want to see him more with the first team. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would, I've, I've watched a few of his defiance games and he's a very intriguing prospect. Uh, that's, I guess the word I would use, uh, but it's pretty clear. He's not a finished product by any stretch of the right. imagination. Um, you know, his, his finishing is not where the rest of his game is. I would say at this point, um, but he certainly gave them what they needed in that game uh, as someone who could occupy some space between the center backs. Uh, he got on the ball. I was impressed with, you know, his on the ball footwork and speed, as you said. And, you know, his, you know, he took a couple of shots and uh, had a couple on target. Um, one was a little, little bit wide, but, you know, a reasonable, uh, they're reasonable efforts and certainly nothing to fall yeah. for per se. So, you know, and you said, like I said, he was, he was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, just, you know, as kind of a big target, you know, classic target guy, um, but has some other skills, whether they should sign him to a contract going forward, I guess it depends on how close they think will is to being back. Right. Uh, they may try to just hold, you know, hold out if will's going to be back say at the end of the month or early next month. Yeah. Uh, but if he's, if will's still six weeks away or so, um, or has a setback or something, then, yeah, I think they may have to sign him if for no other reason they need somebody else in that position. Um, but I can understand why they wouldn't want to sign him because he is not the finished product yet or, or really even close. 
Um, and that's, you know, you're, you're spending a roster spot on a player who, you know, probably aren't going to get much use of, especially once Bruin uh, comes back. And Will, I'm, I know Will is expecting to be back soon. Uh, I, I don't think this coming game, but I would not be at all surprised if he's back by San Jose, if not the game after that. So you're right. They don't, you know, the, the window for Sam and Denneran to get more playing time seems to be shrinking. I just, I just like him as a, as a piece, especially if they, I don't know. I don't have the exact roster breakdown in front of me. I'm sure they, I would hope they have some room in there, but uh, you know, he's not a, he's not an international. He's a, he's an American player. This was actually a game. This was, he was able to play in in front of a bunch of his friends and family. He's from Houston. uh, So he was able to let some of those people know and, and get him, get them in the stands. He, he just, to me, I, I was very impressed that he didn't look out of place. And I think that's what, ultimately what I was impressed by by so many of these young guys is they looked like they belong you know Josh Atencio is another player who in some way like somewhere behind uh Rebaker Whiting in terms of their impressive performances I thought Josh Atencio was right there you know he hadn't played center back at all since 2019 and when he was playing as a center back in 2019 with the defiance it was in a two center back setup and I had assumed that he would be playing more in the middle because his his game is more pass oriented and and whatnot but he looked really comfortable on the right side I, he, he covered a lot of ground and you could kind of see how he projects in that role like he like he looked very comfortable he never looked like he was overwhelmed by anything and then there was the my favorite moment of the game was after uh you know Raul Ruiz Diaz got fouled and then uh Freddie Montero came over to kind of like protect him or whatever and gotten Cecilio Dominguez's face and Dominguez pushes Freddie and then Josh Atencio just comes running in there ready to scrap and do whatever else. And I, I love those instincts. Josh made team of the week out of position. Like that's, that's testament to how well he did back there. Yeah. Um, my favorite moment was when he found himself as the farthest player up the pitch on an attacking play. And then it went South and he just like had to book it. Like you saw his face. He was like, Oh no, I am not supposed to be here. <laughs> and he just starts sprinting backwards. Yeah. I, I mean, he, if there is one player who I had to put money on having a long MLS career and maybe getting some national team caps along the way, I think Josh Atensi was the guy who, I would feel most comfortable with because his game is looks the closest to being something like Paul, like something like completed, like he he's got growing to do, but as he is now, as he is today, he can play. He doesn't need like to, to get minutes. He doesn't need to get better. He, he can just go along on this path. I think he'll get better. He's 19. He's got a big body. He's going to put on some weight. He's going to grow into it. All these things. There's a lot of things or reasons to think he's going to get a lot better. But even if he weren't to get better from where he is today, I think he could still have a long career. Uh, Danny Leva, another player who I liked a lot. I thought he, you know, in the last game, he did a great job of completing passes and doing a lot of the, you know, like the connecting work. He was something like 44 for 46 against Minnesota, but he didn't do a lot of defensive work. And then this one, he did a lot of that defensive work. Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, Leva was pretty, pretty good, pretty solid. I didn't see uh, a whole lot from him going forward, which to your point, uh, he was more defensively focused and frankly, so were the Sounders for uh, big chunks of that game. But yeah, I like what he did in the center of the pitch. Uh, He, you know, again, I would like to see him develop his, his, 
his attacking game a little bit more. I understand that's not really again what they asked him to do, but but he was he was he was solid. He was solid on the list of you know players that really stood out to me. He wasn't one of them, um, but again, Agreed. that wasn't really what he was likely asked to do in this in this particular game. No, a lot of players sort of playing within themselves, I think, and that was what was was also good about this is that no one was trying to do no one was trying to be Superman until Except Raul. Exactly. Until Raul Ruiz Diaz comes in off the bench and is just absolutely flying. Uh, you know, the, the, I, I, I do think there was a little bit of a let up from, you know, the 54th minute into like the early 60 minutes where the energy seemed to drop a little bit. The veterans were, uh, you know, they swapped out some veterans in the and like Kellen and Raul and and did Freddie come in in that same sort of shift change? And, you know, I think the energy dropped a little bit, but Raul did not waste much time showing off uh, a bit of skill that we, that, I mean, that goal that he scores, I think is going to be replayed for years. And, you know, we see players score from midfield. It happens, you know, it's, it's not the craziest thing in the world, but the thing I was so impressed by is on the replay, not only does he, he, he blocks the clearance on his first touch, he hits it with a bend over a goalkeeper who I don't think is that far out of position. And he just slams it against the back of the net. And you could just tell as soon as he hit it, he he's already peeling off, ready to celebrate. And I mean, they just don't get much more impressive than that. Yeah, it was uh, obviously incredible. I mean, the the game kind of boiled down to uh, you know what Tony Stark says to Loki: "We've got a Hulk." Uh, this you know Smetzer to uh, <laughs> to Josh Wolf is uh, we've got a Raul, and you know he showed <laughs> he showed why uh, you know it's important to have a, a high profile, high quality designated player on your team because he can come in and do stuff like that. Um, yeah, Austin clearly didn't have a, a player of similar stature. Or quality, um, and you know, again, then to be fair, that's not really their fault. They're an expansion team. They're not going to necessarily go out and, you know, find a uh, high uh, high quality DP right off the bat. But you know, that's kind of what uh, what happens at the margin sometimes. Is that you know, if the game's not really showing anything, um, and you've got someone who you can bring off the bench to do stuff like that, um, you can get out of dodge with uh, with all three points or at least a result. And uh, yeah, it was just incredible goal. I mean. And he also managed to miss Beasler too, who was not, you know, who was kind of right near him. So, you know, another inch or two um, in the other direction. And maybe that bounces off Beasler's, um, you know, body. And, you know, we're not talking about this, but just the skill that he showed to be able to do that. Um, and it's, you know, it's all pure instinct. I mean, you know, combined with a little bit of scouting, because he did say after the game that he had noticed uh, the keeper off his line on a couple of occasions but it wasn't uh, like he was out in the midfield yeah. i mean he sure. was you know he was like kind of at the edge of the penalty area which is where exactly where you expect you know that's the modern day goalkeeper that's what they do right yeah oh like for sure i mean you know this is this wasn't on um the keeper necessarily you know you got to give well the credit to see that and be able to just you yeah. know slam it in there so but yeah it was it was yeah it was incredible and you know yeah, that's why you have players like that I think the best part of the goal was Kellen's incredible pass off the back <laughs> yeah. of an Austin. Where is, he, where is he putting that? 
I have no idea. No one's making that run. No, no. He's one, not it, passing it to anyone. No, it looks maybe like, this was his evil plan all along. Yeah, right. That was his plan. Playing he was like, I, I am slamming it off this Austin player back to Raul instead of just like making the, the short pass to the side. Yeah, right. There was someone who was making a run, but they had just started to make the run and he'd already kicked the ball. So there was like, right. you know, it was like, there was no way they were going to catch that catch that even if rose pass had made it through there it was just going to go you know to the end um, the end line probably so i yeah. i'm not sure what he was what he's thinking there but you know yeah, it's it works out you know and and i thought up until then i thought the sounders had played i thought it was a well-deserved zero zero up until then uh in fact i think the sounders could have had an argument probably for having the better chances up until then and from that point forward to their credit, I think Austin did a better job of pushing the action. I was actually kind of amazed at how, for having 75% of the possession, they had really very, they put the Sounders under very little pressure. And this was not, you know, the Sounders, I think by the technical definition, were bunkered because they gave up a lot of possession. But it wasn't like waves and waves of the attack were coming at them. They were they were handling it. They, the, the game was playing out, I think exactly how they were prepared for it to play out. And Austin just wasn't really prepared to do anything with it. And that's a, it's very strange to me. I don't, it, it felt very much like Brian Schmester just out coached Josh Wolf, you know, Josh Wolf, a young coach, not the worst thing in the world, but uh, yeah, he, I, I did not think I was not very impressed with Austin, what they put up that said after Raul's goal, they had one particular chance that I did not think was well-earned. Uh, it looked to me like the foul that the free kick where they eventually scored on was soft at best and, to me, not a foul at all. Uh, and then Julio Cascante, of course, the former Timber, scores a goal. Big celebration. Oh, wait. VAR catches it offside. What's your emotion? I, I, you were manning Twitter for us, uh, Beth. What was your emotion like through that whole that whole sequence? Um, I it was so frustrating because like I had already been tweeting like that's that's not a foul. Right. Like the Sounders were doing so well up until then with like restricting Austin's chances. They hadn't made a ton of like silly fouls that you might expect to see from a younger group. Um, and for that to be the one where that they almost lose the lead was just so disheartening. But like, yeah. I'm so glad it got called back. Um, but also Julio Cascante, I think he was the Timbers player that scored the own goal in one of the Sounders wins in yes. Providence Park. I think so he was the one. That man is not doing well against the Sounders. No, no, no. No, uh, it's not his, he, not his day. Not his day at all. Uh, and then what was funny was Raul almost scored a second goal. And I would add, like, as far as like the margins of offside, Raul was much closer to onside on that goal than Cascante was to being onside for his goal. I think they were both correct calls, but Rui Diaz just like, if you go back and watch that play, it's a great, the thing I love about that is that Rui Diaz chases down a ball in the corner, throw puts in like a kind of like a hopeful cross just to sort of like clear the lines. And then he gets himself back into position for to to head in a Jimmy Madranda cross, fun stuff. I mean, he's Raul Rui Diaz is there. Really, cannot be enough said about this guy. And afterward, the thing I one of the things I just loved is he's wearing the sweater. I don't know if people will remember this, but I think it was last season the Sounders put out a a, a shirt and sweater that had all the faces of all the players on it. It's like they were on Zoom. 
Right. It was like there was like a Zoom image. Right. Exactly. And and there is Raul wearing the shirt that, you know, I don't think I've seen any other players wear. He wears uh, it all the time. He, he, wears like, it he all. loves it. Right. Yeah. He, he wore it. That was his traveling sweater, I believe. And he's sitting there talking about how, you know, he's just like a wholesome guy. You know, you go on his, his Instagram feed. He's picking up Danny Leva as, a, you know, the carpool to the airport. He's, you know, chumming around with all the, all the young guys. He's, he's beautiful. He's a beautiful man. And I thought you had a crush on Adin and Moran. Or- I, I know. I, it's like I'm falling in love with all these guys. Yeah, it's it's incredible how how much Garth and company hit on their DPs. Yeah. Uh, even from, you know, even Oba obviously was a little bit more of a mercenary, still was someone who uh, was beloved by Sounders fans, and he gave it his all. Um, and you just look around the league, uh, especially about 3,000 miles uh, to the southeast, uh, in Miami and uh, where they just, you know, they can't get it right. They spend a lot of money and still don't have the results. You know, a team like Cincinnati does the same thing. Um, and it really is just a testament to, uh, you know, scouting the quality on the field, but also how they uh, are going to fit into the culture of the team, which is something that Schmetzer talks about. Uh, All the time. And that's, that's extremely important because, yeah, you could have a high quality player, but if they don't mesh, um, or causing locker room issues or, or what have you, whatever, uh, it can you know, really dampen uh, what you're trying to do. So, uh, you know, hats off to them for being able to kind of continue to do this uh, year after year with the players that they bring in. You know, we talked about this on the, on the pregame as well, where, you know, after the Minnesota game, Brian sort of pushed back on this idea that they were just in there for one point. And I brought that up about how, like, well, I'm sure he's going to tell the players – that you're in this to win it, right? But in the back of his head, I'm sure he would have been thrilled with a 0-0 draw in this game. I still think he would have been thrilled with a 0-0 draw, but I do think that he genuinely makes these players believe you're out there, your goal is to win this game. It's not to come home with a point. He's filling these guys with confidence, and I think it says a lot that they can bring up players who have only been training with the first team on a limited basis, but that they feel like they're all part of one organization and they aren't coming in with new ideas of like, well, I don't really know how we play on this team. Like the principles of play, I think are very similar to defiance and and sounders. And even if they don't always play the exact same formation, they are playing with the same ideas of what they're trying to do. And I think that you see it. There's this familiarity. No one looked out of place. No one looked like they were, you know, trying to do too much individually. And they were sort of just accepting that the group as a collective was going to, was going to make it work. And it's, it's just really, really amazing to see uh, an organization sort of coming together like this and being able to pull off a win where, yeah, okay, Austin was not at their best. They, they don't have the most talented team. But I, I don't think there are that many teams in MLS history who could field a squad that looked like the Sounders did in on Thursday and play virtually any opponent and look as comfortable as they did in this game. And let's keep in mind they started, you know, Spencer Ritchie uh, in, in goal. Right. Uh, who had really no no time uh, to speak of. You know, he has he has previous experience, obviously, but uh, not really with the Sounders in first team action. 
And, you know, it's kind of interesting to, you know, swap out your goalkeeper because typically they are the one player that can do a three game in eight days span with, with no issues. Right. But Spencer just decided, okay, well, we're just going to give uh, Cleveland uh, the day off here. Right. Uh, and, and, and throws uh, Richie in there and he, and he throws a shutout or helps contribute to a shutout. Um, and which is just, you know, it's, it's just a testament to, you know, you know, when you roll the dice, sometimes you, you, uh, you, you win. Yeah. I, I do wonder, we didn't get to really ask him about that in the post game. I hope at some point we, we get an opportunity because it, it wasn't really clear what the thinking there was. Other, like my very cynical view of it was they wanted to protect Steph Cleveland's goals against average, like with the assumption that they were just going to get shelled. I don't think, I think that was very cynical probably and not fair at all in hindsight, but uh, like it, it did almost feel like, well, we're already switching out so much of the lineup. We may as well like just go all the way and, and switch out our goalkeeper too. But, you know, maybe, maybe it all is like Jao Paulo, as long as Jao Paulo is on the field, we can do whatever we want. Another yeah, player that somehow yeah. we haven't talked about. Yeah. And he was you know, obviously very good. And he was obviously on limited minutes because they are going to need, <laughs> need him in some fashion for the game against SKC, even if that's just off the bench. And if he's going 90 minutes in those um, previous two games, he's probably, you know, out for that um, Kansas city game entirely. Uh, but yeah, he was a steady presence. Uh, he funnily enough had probably the most nervy moment early with that back pass uh, that uh, Richie bounced off Yamar's head. Uh, but uh, you know, what a way back- to start a game though, yeah. man. Yeah. I thought it was going to go so downhill so fast from that point. It was yeah. like the sixth minute, and I was like, "Richie oh, just smashes that's the, the kind ball." Of night it's gonna be right. So if you missed it, Richie just absolutely smashes a ball into Jamar's head, and as soon as he did it, it was like, uh, "Is this a concussion? What's going on here? That doesn't look good." And it worked out. Uh, looked like Jamar was was fine, but Jel uh, Paulo. I thought the the funniest thing about that was they pulled him out in the fifty fourth minute. Apparently, the plan originally was to pull him off at halftime, and then they let him go a little bit longer. But he looked confused. Like he looked like he wasn't ready to come out in the 54th minute. It's like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Let me let me keep going. And he wanted the sh- three points. Right. He was like, I can make this happen. Right. And I don't know. There was a, a picture of the, you know, like they do that team photo before the game, and everyone's got their stern faces on. And Zhao Paolo has just absolute shitting and grin. And it's almost like it's very tempting to be like, Yeah, I know what's coming. Like He's you don't just in you- dad mode. He was just in like, dad mode, my exactly. Children, they're so cute. He's twice as old as as Obed Vargas. When Freddie subbed in for Obed, that was a 19 year age difference between the player coming in and the player leaving the, the leaving the field. 19 Big. years. And Freddie's not that old. That's Freddy's how old Josh Atencio is. Right. There was a Josh Atencio <laughs> between them. Yeah, That's it was so much. It was a surreal, a surreal night, and I don't know how many more times we'll see a lineup like that. But you know, it does make you. It, it suddenly makes me think that the Sounders might try something like that against uh, Tigris in League's Cup, and it might not might not be such a bad idea. I don't know, uh, but it, it suddenly casts that. You know, and I don't, I don't want to make too much of this because I don't. I what was you had a better view of this, Beth? Because I, I went on Sounder at heart and there weren't quite as much, there wasn't as much doom and gloom when the lineup came out as I sort of was expecting. What was the reaction like on Twitter though? Were people mad when the lineup came out? 
there were a few people that were like, this is entirely unacceptable. And the people that made these decisions need to be fired. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's one way you could take this. I feel like the general consensus was that this was a joke. Um, and that it was literally just like, we don't want to play this game, but we have to play this game. So right. here are all of our kids. Play, play against them. There you go. Here's your match. Um, but I feel like the general consensus was it's Thursday night in MLS. We have a team of children. Literally anything could happen here. Right. Yeah. Absolutely anything. Yeah. And instead, the Sounders are going to go into... Sunday with a five-point lead on Sporting Kansas City, a two-point lead on the Revolution for the Supporter Shield lead. And, you know, I, I still think there's a lot of work to do. There's no question about it. The Sporting Kansas City match is could end up being very decisive in in how the the, the Western Conference at least shapes up. But you, you have to like the Sounders' chances. I mean, it's they're not going to presume – like. I can't imagine them being more shorthanded than they were last night. They get Javi back. They get Javi back in this one. That Maybe they get Nuhu back. You know, I don't know. I'm not holding out too much hope Can on that one. Can he still not run sideways, though? Yeah, That might know. be a problem. Right. Uh, but then, you know, hopefully we'll be getting, you know, in the next few weeks, we should be getting Alex and Christian back and should be getting Will back. And all of a sudden... You know, you have some margin for error again. The nice thing is, is if both Christian and Alex make it to the next round, they play each other. So we get at least one of them back. Right. So. Although I'm not a huge fan of them taking almost a week off at the Gold Cup. Yeah, that is a bit weird. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I guess everyone didn't get to do that. But like the, the way it worked out for the El Salvador and United States groups were they got basically a week off, which not great for MLS. No. No. It might be good for Christian and Alex, keep them Maybe. healthy. They don't have to yeah. overwork themselves. Yeah, them back I, in top I'll, form. I'll tell you, I'm, I am looking forward to see Alex look like he's just gaining confidence with El Salvador. He looked so good against Mexico. Like, so good. Yeah. Uh, and wild. Christian, I hope, gets to, he, the one game that Christian got an extended run out, I thought he looked really good. Yes. Despite so what the people on the internet say, he looked right. good. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that's probably a good place to, to call this. Uh, we're going to get back and, and we'll talk to you more after the Sunday game. Maybe Beth and I will fire up the spaces machine and, and talk lineups with you on, on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, maybe Mickey will even join us. So we'll, we'll all be in the, in the same place together. It'll be kind of wild. Uh, but uh, all right. You're listening to the Sounder at Heart podcast. I'm Jeremiah Shan saying farewell for Beth and, and Mickey. And we will catch you next time. Next time.